This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. The World Out of Home Organization has been around for decades, but under a French acronym that didn't mean a lot to much of the world. The nonprofit changed its name from Pepe International to its new handle a few years ago, and it's never looked back. It now has members from all over the globe, with outdoor advertising companies of all sizes and stripes signing on to benefit from lobbying, networking, policy discussions, standardization, research, and education. The organization also does a heavily attended global conference each year, as well as at least a couple of regional versions in APAC and the Middle East. I had a great chat with out-of-home media veteran Tom Goddard, a London-based Irishman who gives his time and experience as the organization's president and executive chairman. Tom, thank you for joining me. Where are you today? Yeah, nice to be here, David. Um, I'm in sunny London. Uh, We're having a Mediterranean type of summer, which is, uh, as you know, it's hit and miss here. But uh, we're having a lovely summer at the moment. And uh, I'm right right on Hyde Park, actually, on Victoria oh, nice. Gate. So I'm, I'm able to look into the park and uh, admire all the joggers. So it's a lovely spot. And it's uh, about 28 degrees. So pretty, pretty cool. Hopefully you have air conditioning. Um, yeah, but I hate using it. Uh, I, <laughs> I've had to use it a bit lately, but uh, yes, I do. Uh-huh. All right. So you run or are the head of the World Out of Home Organization. Can you give me the background on yourself and what uh, that organization is all about? Yeah, of course, David. Yeah, yeah. I, I am, for my sins, I'm president of the World Out of Home Organization. It's uh, an honorary position. and. Um, uh, the World Out of Home Organization is uh, a not-for-profit uh, body, and it um, its purpose is the same as now as it was when it was set up uh, uh, sort of 63 years ago. Uh, it's really to to drive sector growth. And when the organization was set up uh, in 1959 by actually Jacques Dauphin, um, who was one of the pioneers of French outdoor media alongside J.C. Decoe. Um, it was originally called FEPE, uh, which is short in French for Federation European Publicity Exterieure. And in later years, it expanded outside that footprint and became a truly global organization. So in, in 2018, we decided to, uh, to rebrand as the World Out of Home Organization uh, which we launched the following year at our Dubai Congress, which happened just before the pandemic. And uh, uh, yes, yeah, so we're now um, the World Out of Home organization, but we are 63 years old. Yeah, it always, uh, I, I know a few people who would make reference uh, 
like Sheldon Silverman to Fepe all the time when I was in meetings and I didn't know what he was going on about, but when the name was changed to that, I said, Oh, now I get it. <laughs> it's a more universal name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's very plain and it does, it says what it does. So uh, your background, are you a media owner guy or an agency guy or something else? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a media owner guy. I come from the media owner side and um, I've had a, a long um, career on the media owner side, you know, all the way from um, uh, a small company started in Ireland to uh, to running the international division of CBS Outdoor, as it was then. Mm -hmm. And more recently, um, uh, I was the chairman of, of Ocean Outdoor uh, in the UK, which is uh, one of the leading digital out-of-home companies mm -hmm. in the super premium sector. Mm -hmm. Now, are you still active? Or are you still working? Or, or, or uh, is, uh... Yeah, I, I'm still pretty active. Um, I, I just stepped down from Ocean uh just about a year and a half ago but uh but i have also got a business called uh, out of home capital which i've set up with uh with eight other uh, very very experienced um out of home professionals and it's a global advisory business that that helps uh, all sectors of the out of home ecosystem uh to achieve their strategic plans so i'm busy with that uh, uh -huh. uh, alongside um, my active work in the World Out of Home organization. And Out of Home Capital, is that also a funding entity or purely advisory? Um, it's mainly advisory, but we do have access to, uh, to capital sources. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we do advise, for example, Out of Home media owners who are uh, perhaps getting ready for a sale or getting ready for an IPO, uh, we do advise them on how to go about preparing for that. Uh, mm -hmm. And also we have uh, sources that we can recommend in terms of, uh, of capital investment. Is that a going concern that keeps you busy or is it one of those things that it's you know, a little, uh, little bit of peaks and valleys where a project comes up and you're all busy and then there's not much going on and you, you can relax and then something else comes up? Well, we set it up a couple of years ago, and within two weeks, we had our first project, which was uh, a New York bank was making uh, an investment, and they needed a due diligence report. And since then, we've been steadily uh, busy, uh, including you know working for a large private equity operator who were who were examining the uh, potential sale of Clear Channel's European assets, um, and um, we have three European city projects at the moment where we're advising uh, European cities on their out-of-home uh, strategy and on their smart city strategy. So it's, it's really uh, getting traction now, David. And uh, uh, I, I was, when we set it up, we wondered how it would go, but, but everybody seems to tell us that there was a gap in the market. There was a need for this mm -hmm. global advisory business. And, uh, uh, and that seems to be the case. Yeah, I uh, I did a lot of consulting for a bunch of years now. I'm just focused on 16.9, but uh, I would get emails and phone calls from people asking about uh, whether I could do advisory on digital out of home. And I would just flat tell them there are other people out there who know a hell of a lot more about that particular side of the business than I do. And I would point them that way because it's just 
not my thing. And uh, we can talk about it later, but I, I'm eternally confused by uh, the, the whole programmatic business and that I, I, I understand it at a macro level, but boy, <laughs> it's complicated. No, um, absolutely. And if you get any more referrals, just uh, send them my way. But, but, <laughs> but interestingly, um, there are not there there are not a lot of advisory units out there who who really have the depth of experience needed. Really, I mean, you have in you know, for example, we're, we've just been we're just in the process of advising an Asian, a uh, large Asian media player who wants to get. A toll hold in Times Square in New York, you know, so you can get things as left field as that. Uh, mm-hmm. Along with, along with major retailers are looking to uh, to maximize their uh, digital assets in their in their super malls. So, um, you know, there, there aren't many companies that have the ability to assess the audience value and, mm-hmm. and also know about the aesthetics and and uh, the environment. So how global is uh, World Auto Forum organization at this point? Or do, do you co- are you covering every continent and how many members do you have? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really uh, taken off in the last few years, particularly since we rebranded, David. It's, um, it's amazing what, what, what that has done. But we now have over 150 members worldwide. And yeah, that's mainly large out-of-home media owners like Lamar, and out front in, in the US and then JC Decoe and Stror in Europe and out of home media in Australia, uh, Phoenix Metropolitan in China. And we also have lo- lots of national out of home trade bodies uh, like the OAAA and uh, in the US and FAW in Germany, mm-hmm. Outsmart in the UK and, and the, the Outdoor Trade Association of Japan. So, um, the other good thing about our organization is we also admit service providers in the out-of-home uh, sector, like Dactronics and Broadsign in the U.S. are members, and mm-hmm. and most most of the ad tech providers like View and Hivestack and Vistar uh, are members, and and of course all the major media buying agencies as well, Kinetic, Talent, Dentsu, and 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 Rapport. So we we totally embrace the entire. 37 billion out of home ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a member or you're considering being a member, it's, it's not really the case where you go, well, do I join World at a Home or do I join the DPAA or the OAAA or whatever? You can be a member of all of them and it's not a conflict or it's not, you know, you're, cho- you're not choosing sides. No, it, it, in fact, um, uh, the World at a Home organization is, is an an international global body, whereas, you know, the trade associations like Outsmart in the UK and the OAAA in the US um, are, are mainly national associations. And what we do is we we connect with them and, and help to amplify uh, the work they're doing and also um, help them to develop uh, standards and best practices. So it's an entirely complementary thing uh, that you would join, and also you, you would you would you would join it to to um, uh, to be in part of a, a sort of a, a sharing and learning platform, uh, and to to get access to our extensive database um, and our active networking forum, and of course you get you know favor, 
favorable delegate discount rates uh, to all our events. So it's uh, somebody said to me recently that our annual Congress is really now a must attend event. Mm-hmm. And is that the big thing that uh, the, the resources and, and, and the, the conference and so on are those kind of the main motivators for joining? Um, they used to be, David. We, we used to uh, very heavily rely on our annual uh, congress, um, which you know are highly, highly well attended by the senior people and out of home. But we now are doing doing our annual event. We have one recently in in Toronto, and next year's is in Lisbon in June. But we're doing two fairly major regional events. We've got one coming up actually in October in Southeast Asia for APAC, and that's based in uh, Kuala Lumpur. And uh, mm-hmm. we've got one coming up in February uh, in Dubai covering the MENA region. So the events are, are a big attraction, but there's a lot, lot more to the organization now, including uh, monthly global um, Zoom calls with members, um, webinars, and uh, uh, lots of other stuff that's going on throughout the year. Is it a case of that this is a situation where you have media companies who, uh, particularly those who cover multiple countries, uh, are com- competing in, in many respects, but this is a, a forum where they can uh, you know, collaborate and share ideas and uh, the competition goes away for at least a little bit? That's a very astute question, David, and and that's the that's the tightrope where you know all trade associations walk. And um, what, what we do is we we try to focus as hard as possible on sector growth and all the things that contribute to sector growth. And um, what what you get is fierce competition uh, locally at national level between. Uh, out-of-home media operators, both, you know, at the media owner and the media agency level. Um, but but there are lots of areas where it makes sense to collaborate and cooperate at association level to drive the sector because uh, there is hard evidence now that a, a 1% sector growth is five times more uh, valuable to your bottom line than a 1%, 1% growth within the silo. So that's what we do. Mm-hmm. So when you when you talk about a sector, are you talking at a macro level about out of home or digital out of home? I'm talking about uh, out of home at a macro level, and and mm-hmm. don't forget that you know 63 percent of global revenues uh, still come through the classic uh, out of home channel or static, as I think you right. call it in the U.S. Uh, but but th- that 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 is obviously tipping year by year in favor of digital. Some markets are 80 percent digital. Uh, and other markets are, you know, a lot less than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never foresee a situation where the market will be all digital, uh, but I think the majority will be digital, but there will still be, you know, great work to be done with um, uh, classic billboards, you know, doing directional work for the likes of McDonald's and and other big retail operators. Yeah, there, there's a any number of instances where I've seen digital in play and thought that wasn't necessary. <laughs> it was almost like they did it because, well, you know, it's digital that, that, that makes it shinier and newer and more attractive. And 
a, a poster or print, printed stock would have been just fine. Yeah, um, I, I guess so. But I think because of the capital investment required, um, out of all media owners are pretty, uh, you know, pretty canny when it comes to uh, the ones that need to be digitized. It's usually, you know, the very high value sites. Um, Sean Riley of Lamar, you know, has a statistic that, you know, something like, I don't know, 4% of his his inventory produced 27% of his revenues. I, I, forgive me if I haven't got the numbers right, but um, uh, we are moving into, I think, uh, an era now where, where less is more. So I think you'll see a rationalization of out-of-home in- inventory around the world, uh, but it will be higher value and more digital. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. I'm curious if your organization uh, has a role in mentoring uh, a lot of the startups that come along. The uh, These are the companies that want to put screens on everything. I just uh, wrote last week about a company in London that's putting them on delivery scooters. And uh, I, I tend to roll my eyes on a lot of these new kinds of efforts, but I thought that one was actually pretty spot on given the way London works and everything else. It, but it, there are so many dreamers out there that think they can put a screen anywhere and it's going, it's, you know, it's the road to riches for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, as we would say in Ireland, uh, David, God bless them because um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we, we would say fill your boots. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, um, I, I mean, the simple fact is you, you, you put a multiple screen where there is, you know, a huge audience. Um, and um, on the back of uh, delivery, uh, by, bikers is not exactly uh, the place to get a return on that investment. But, um, you know, I think that there are always going to be um, left field uh, entrepreneurs coming into the industry. But, you know, where you see the big, big changes is with the, the high value sites around the world. And, of course, lots of advertisers are cleverly using um, trophy or um, marquee digital sites, you mm-hmm. know, on their social media as well. I mean, uh, you know, most people who buy space in Times Square or Piccadilly Circus in London, uh, you know, get wonderfully extended coverage uh, and amplification on social media. Um, so, so I think, you know, in terms of dynamic content, in terms of uh, the fact that in, in, in involving memory encoding, encoding um, uh, digital motion, digital, digital really scores very high in those areas. Mm-hmm. So is that part of the reason why you're seeing like in Piccadilly Lights or uh, particularly in Asia, you're seeing a lot of these uh, anamorphic illusion 
types of creative that they are hoping will also get pick up in social media and so on. So it's extending the reach. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, absolutely, David. I mean, this this uh, is really very exciting new new, new innovation and uh, Ocean call it deep screen and uh, there mm-hmm. are various various sort of versions of it. Um, what, what we're finding, which is very exciting in our sector, is that there's two there's two levels of creativity. The traditional great ideas that uh, the great creatives come up with as well, and then there's the great uh, creative technical applications. And and what you've just described there is a great example of 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 the the attention getting ability mm-hmm. of these uh, deep screen ads, and they just they just go viral on social media. Yeah, I, I found that, uh, that there's only been a few campaigns that have somehow or other threaded the needle between, you know, really interesting visuals, but actually an effective ad. You know, there, there have been ones where I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, who's even the brand for this? But, you know, once in a while you, you see ones where they, they've, they've managed to achieve both. Yeah, I mean, the, the people who invest in, in, in uh, these type of locations you know, used them, you know, as part of their annual reports in their mm-hmm. in their own collateral material. They use them in their websites. Uh, you know, they, they get tremendous mileage out of them. Uh, you know, most of the great creative uh, directors of our times always say, if you can get it right on on a poster on an outdoor ad, you, you get it right on all media. And you know, that's that's as true today as it ever was. Mm-hmm. Because it's short and sweet and to the point, right? Yeah, you 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 you've got to get the message across swiftly and with you know with a tinge of humor, and you've got to be entertaining entertaining mm-hmm. the audience. Yeah, I, I try to emphasize with in my past life uh, with with consulting clients that this is not a storytelling medium. It's you know it, it's a glance medium. You've got to get your message across really quickly and somehow or other uh, you know resonate with them. Yeah, you, you, you're dead right. One of the challenges through the years, particularly in the early years of digital auto home, was getting acceptance from media planners and buyers that, uh, that they, they would understand the medium, uh, that the level of measurement was good enough to kind of mirror what was happening in online and elsewhere. And it wasn't just guesswork about audiences. Is, is that a hurdle that's now been cleared? Yeah, very much so. Um, and of course, the research is very robust now in terms of the uh, the work that digital out of home does. Um, I mean, you know, at a broader level, David, we are now in a global media market that's all about screens. And, um, you know, of all the legacy media, out of home has um, converged best with the, you know, the digital era. Uh, and is regarded really as text friend. So um, I think um, we now are an integral part of of the digital screen world, and um, there's a terrific amount of research uh, to to back that up. We recently, in the uh, World Out of Home organization, spent a year updating um, and distributing the um, the audience measurement guidelines because it didn't include digital. Uh, in the previous version, and it now fully includes uh, the digital part of our medium. Um, so we're well covered there. 
Is it possible to have global standards or is there just too many differences region to region or even country by country? No, it absolutely is possible to have global standards. And that document, which is a 100 plus page document uh, put together by uh, Neil Edelson and Gideon Aidey, two of the you know, accepted global gurus on um, uh, audience measurement, uh, th- that has received tremendous endorsement from you know, the, the, the JIC organizations uh, who were all consulted in the process. And mm-hmm. you, can, you can have a, uh, a, a model that fits most markets that is adjustable for the physical state of the local market and the, uh, the level of maturity in that market. But yes, the important thing is to, is to try and have a, a, an accepted level of research across all the markets so that the CMOs are talking the same language when they're buying out of home. Right. Uh, I, I know you're not a hardcore technology guy, but I, I have to ask about LED just from the lens of LED has opened up the opportunity to get beyond standardized billboard shapes and standardized kinds of locations. So you're now seeing the sides of entire buildings, including the, the Burj in Dubai, uh, being lined with LED lighting that uh, you know at a great distance can look like an ad. Is are we heading to a time where it's going to be like a, a few of the movies out there, like Children of Men, that there there are or Blade Runner, where there are billboards on the sides of buildings and blimps and everything else? Well, I think we're there now, David. I think I think um, yeah, <laughs> certainly in China. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just about to say you go to Shanghai and and uh, blow your mind. Um, What's great is that, um, you know, there was a time when out-of-home media owners didn't have the greatest relationship with municipalities and cities, but mm-hmm. uh, cities now and out-of-home media owners are working collaboratively to uh, to integrate great, great digital treatments in the fabric of the cities and, and to, you know, connect with the smart city technology. Uh, so um, I, I think most mayors in the world now would regard, you know, large format digital media and small format, you know, on street furniture units uh, to make a statement that, you know, this is a progressive city. This is a city that's uh, moving fast in the digital age. So I think we're there. I I think um, you can do non-standard formats, particularly on super premium, uh, as we see. And even now, um, you know, we, 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 we see some incredible uh, treatments, you know, with, with groups of drones being brought in for special occasions. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so digital out of home is really, as I said, of all the legacy media, it has embraced technology uh, best and, and I think is, is really well equipped. Uh, because when we started this organization, when our forebears started this organization, uh, it was for the same reason, which was to drive sector growth. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, you know, the big tech guys were were television and later uh, color television. Uh, now, now out of home is competing against the, you know, the the tech giants that that are, you know, preeminent in in digital marketing and in digital media. So we have to move along with that, and, and that's what we're doing. And uh, and this is why. 
digital out of home is the second fastest uh, growth medium in, in uh, all of media. Is it part of your organization's charge to kind of demystify or simplify some of the enabling technology? Because I'm somebody who's been involved in the industry at various levels for more than 20 years, and I struggle mightily to understand everything going on with programmatic. And if I'm having trouble, I suspect a lot of other people are. Yeah, you know, you're dead right. Um, I've been banging on about this at various conferences. I think um, uh, what we have is, I mean, programmatic is, um, you know, is is really, uh, is simply computer-to-computer trading uh, mm-hmm. between SSPs and DSPs, supply-side platforms and demand-side platforms. It's got it's gotten a bit complicated in out of home because uh, we we've added multiple layers on top um, on top of that such as you know data stacks um, real time bidding capability uh, dynamic dynamic content etc and all these all these additions are meant to enhance the process and make it even more targeted and precise but you're right they also increase the complexity as well. Um, I, I, you know, we, we often have programmatic panels at our conferences and I appeal to the panelists to <laughs> speak English. <laughs> to stop talking in, in, in all their tech language. And, and we, mm-hmm. are, we are getting better. But, uh, but I would have to admit, David, I think it's unnecessarily complicated and, or we make it unnecessarily complicated. And you know, certainly that's something we need to work on. Yeah, I, I wonder if some of it simply has to do with all the different vendors almost inventing terms so that they can differentiate themselves from a bunch of other companies that are doing roughly the same thing. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I think this gets back to my, my overriding point is, is that, you know, our real competitors are not the other outdoor company. Uh, our real competitor is at sector level. So mm-hmm. the more the more standards we have, we have the, the less complicated it is for media planners and CMOs to look at the medium and buy the medium. Uh, the faster the sector will grow. So uh, you and I are absolutely aligned on that, and and uh, it's something that we 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 work on constantly. In terms of the overall organization, if you had to identify what your main sort of challenge or uh, thing that you want to accomplish in the next couple of years, what would that be? Yeah, I, I mean, um, I mean, fortunately, David, you know, in, in Out of Home, there are way more opportunities than challenges mm-hmm. at the moment. But, but the ones that, in my mind, need more attention, they're getting a lot of attention, but they need more attention, um, are audience measurement and sustainability. So what, what you have is we still have huge uh, deserts, huge markets and regions around the world that either lack uh, or have suboptimal audience measurement mm-hmm. systems, you know, such as China, India, huge markets, Southeast Asia, Latin America. And again, getting back to my point that if we can all get up to speed in terms of industry standard and languages, um, you know, I was down at the uh, WFA, the World Federation of Advertisers Congress in Athens a couple of months ago and listening to the CMOs 
brilliant CMOs talking on the platform there. And you know, they look at things globally and they move around a lot. So, you know, it's very important uh, for us to, uh, to get all those markets that, that don't have audience measurement measured. And we're, we're introducing a, uh, an initiative following our 100-page guideline booklet called Measure the World to encourage those markets to, uh, to put the investment in through their national associations. And then, of course, the, the second thing is sustainability, which, you know, is a big challenge for every company and every, every, every citizen. Yes, and I guess the other one that uh, is steadily coming up is security and network security and locking down your billboards and your digital posters. Um, how do, how do you mean in terms of in terms uh, of not getting hacked? Yeah, to be honest with you, David, um, it's a very very rare occurrence, but it does get a lot of publicity when it happens, and it's usually. You know, from a novelty point of view, I saw something a couple of days ago uh, that was that was rather amusing. But it's it's very very rare, and our security levels are very high, and that's why it's very rare. So I don't see that as a, as an issue. Yeah, I think the, the the mainstream media companies certainly understand it. It's the, uh, the the smaller kind of entrepreneurial operators who are, are trying to cut corners, and then they discover, oh, we shouldn't have cut that corner. <laughs> <laughs> dead right. You're, you're dead right. So if if I'm a, an organization that uh, is listening to this and thinking, I want to know more, I perhaps want to join World Out of Home Organization, how how do they find you? Well, well look, um, I, I mean, as, as I said, World Organization is a not-for-profit organization. Our board of directors, which is, a, is like a who's who from the uh, Out of Home mm-hmm. Media Owners Association, all give their time voluntarily to the organization. Its only function is to, is to improve and promote out of home globally and to drive sector growth. The, the membership fees are, are pretty nominal and, uh, and the value that you get from the association, you know, make it a no brainer. So you just log on to our website and uh, there's a, a place there where you can, uh, fill out the application form and join. And we we are enjoying a very very uh, steady growth of new members at the moment. Good. And it's not it's not just about getting getting membership fees to cover the basic costs of running the organization. It's about learning and sharing. And everybody, as I said in Toronto at the congress, whether you're big or small, you have a story to tell. And you know we do a weekly newsletter, and everybody has a chance to uh, to tell their story in that. So. From my point of view, um, uh, but but of course I would say this anyway, David. It's a no-brainer, no-brainer to join the World Out of Home mm-hmm. organization. You are doing only good. And it's worldooh.org, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, that, that was terrific. Thank you for spending some time with me. It was a great pleasure, and um, I hope this nice London weather continues. And uh, <laughs> let, let's chat again sometime, and uh, we'll see how how much progress we've made. Absolutely. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 69 at 16-9.net. 
You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 16.9 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 16.9, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 16.9 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog, and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.